0: Such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. That's where we're going to be hanging out here today. But before we do just that, so Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. I don't necessarily need my PowerPoints for this, but there's three points that I want you to notice in this passage as we're reading Hebrews 3, 12, 1 through 3. Okay. First off, we're talking about a race, right? You might think that in Bible times people didn't run in a race. But when he wrote this passage of Scripture, Paul was specifically drawing the analogy of a race because they did run races, right? As the Roman Empire expanded, they got to know different cultures. And all of a sudden we had what was the beginning of the Olympics and people were competing in competitions. So running a race was a really normal thing even back then, right? And using this analogy to run a race... He says, surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. We're surrounded by a bunch of people who are also running this race with us. But as we come to the second part of the first um, sentence, it says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And what I really love about this passage and will pull out as the first point in this message is to throw off what's holding you back when it comes to running the race of faith. That's exactly what Paul was talking about as he wrote this passage. That he wanted you to be able, the church then, the church now, to be able to throw off this weight that you're carrying on your back. Whether that weight be something as simple as a distraction, or the sin that can so easily ensnare our minds, our hearts, and our lives, right? So, I want to do a really quick analogy for this point. Who has... Um, Flappy Bird on their phone still. Anybody? Do you have it? All right, you're in. Come on. You have to come up here now. Come on. You got it. Oh my gosh. Anybody? Who has a game on their phone similar to Flappy Bird? Levi, are you in? You're gonna come up here. Come on. You'll come up. Okay, sorry, Levi. You're out. But you can come on too, actually, we will usually Levi. by? No, no, I need you. Actually, I need one more person. All right, perfect, can you get the, f- do you have your phone? Okay, perfect, pull it out on your watch. Come right here. Sit down for a second. On the edge. Who's my helper, do we not have one? Perfect, Mila, can you come help me for a second? Okay, so here's how it works. Milo, you come up here. Got it, all right, here's how it works. Let's talk about this for just a second. Is Flappy Bird bad? No. Is it a bad game? No. It's kind of evil, the bird keeps dying. Well, why do we have to keep killing the bird to play the game? No, it's not. The, ga- the game's not bad. What's another example of something that's not so bad? Oh, there you go, that one's maybe more fun. Or like Among Us was really popular like a little while ago. Did you guys play that? Yeah, okay. Maybe like uh, Fortnite? Is that one dead? Rocket League? Rocket League's very dead, Telegram. Okay, so pull out Flappy Bird for me for just a second. Pull out Flappy Bird for just a second. Go, yeah, you got it. Keep, yeah, play the game. Okay, now while I'm playing the game, I just want you to be able to repeat back to me what I'm saying. I'm going to talk about myself, and I'm going to say that my daughter just turned one years old on April 22nd at 4.56 p.m. Okay, now die for just a second. What did I say? 4.57? I'm sorry, it's not. It's 4.56 p.m. Really close. All right, let's do it again. Now, Milo. No, 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 not you. You just you just watch her play. Why? Because it's gonna make a point, don't worry. No, not so closely, just like I am right now, okay? It's kind of distracting as you start watching Flappy Bird. You know, it's going up and down and all around, all right? Well, she died really fast that time. Distracted. Okay, so here's the point that I'm trying to make. As she's playing this game, it's drawing her attention, right? Is it drawing your attention? You're not distracted by it, because you can't see it. Now what if you turned around and hold your watch up like this and played it? Watch is a great example because it's not quite so difficult, right? Now here's, here's the point. Some things might not actually be so bad but they start to pull our attention, right? You guys can go back down. Do your thing. Some things might not actually be so bad, but they start to pull your attention, right? So she's sitting there playing this game on her watch. It's really simple. You're just bouncing up and down. But have you ever done that in class before? Yeah? Do you ever forget what the teacher said afterwards? Sometimes. So here's here's what I want you to catch out of this, all right? When that happens, when you're distracted by simple things that might not actually be bad, It still pulls you from Jesus Still pulls your attention From the race that you're running Right Maybe it's Netflix Maybe it's uh, Flappy Bird Maybe it's uh, your Xbox or your Playstation Or maybe it's sports in general I don't know what it is And I'm not saying that those things are bad I'm saying that there's things That hinder us from being able to run this race Right Cole, do you think you could run a mile in 7 minutes? Wait, really? You totally could. Can you run a six-minute mile? Okay, can you run a six-minute mile with 50 pounds on your back? So that would hinder you from running that race, right? It's going to distract you, pull you back, and keep you from being able to do that, that very thing. That's easy to think of a weight on your back, but can you think about the fact that those two different things, like playing a video game and reading your Bible... Or listening to a sermon and texting your friends back becomes like really hard to actually focus on two things at one time and pull anything out of it. So the reason I like this so much and I really am going to hang out here just for a second longer is because it doesn't say throw off the sin first. First, it says to to the believers, to the church that he's writing to, to you, it says, throw off everything that hinders, and it goes, and the sin. So drawing our attention first to everything else, like it's really quick to be like, oh, yes, I know that lying, stealing, cheating, you fill in the blank, pulls me away from Jesus but do we always think about all the other things that keep us from running after him, that running our race well? I don't, very very rarely. I realize it after the fact, but I don't. And so I would encourage you to be thinking on that. Now, the second part of this verse, it says, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. He's a pioneer and perfecter of our faith. So, right after we get done throwing everything off, being careful to not be entangled in the sin that is so easily going to pull us down and hold us back, it tells us where we're to put our focus. So, we put our focus forward, we put our focus on Jesus. We don't put our focus on a prize at the end of the race necessarily. Jesus is the prize But we don't focus on the award that we're going to win We don't focus on Some great accomplishment We focus instead on Jesus As the pioneer and perfecter of our faith Because if we're going to run with perseverance If you're going to actually run after Jesus If you're going to be able to do it well You can't focus on anything outside of how Jesus did How did he handle conflict situations? What did he do when someone walked up to him and said, I'm not, I, don't, I don't know that I agree with you. I think that this is totally messed up. What did he do when people wanted to um, spend time with him that weren't like the vibe, right? Yeah. He said, absolutely. I'm not going to participate in the things that you do, but it's totally okay for you to hang out with me. You know, one thing I really love about Jesus is throughout the New Testament as he meets these sinners, right? He met um, Zacchaeus on the road and went into his house. He met um, tax collectors and invited them to be disciples. He met fishermen who at the time were probably pretty rowdy guys, right? I think even as fishermen now, like they're big, tough guys. Rowdy, not exactly the church type in every circumstance. But he didn't go and start participating in the things that they were doing in order to reach them. He didn't say like, oh, I'm just going to go hang out with Zacchaeus at this party and we're going to, you know, get close by making fun of a few of his friends and doing this and that. No, instead he just surrounded himself with those people and his disciples and he began to teach them about, about the things of God right away. What would that look like in our own lives if we did that first? So these other things that distract us that hold us back when our focus isn't on Jesus are real, and they're not necessarily bad. I'm not gonna like that show that you're binging on Netflix right now is not necessarily bad, but how much is it distracting you from actually being able to learn and grow in Jesus? You go deeper in your faith. And this next part that he says, he says to run the race. Or just before, he says, run the race marked out for us. I think that one's, this whole passage, you just keep going line by line, you kind of go like, oh, that's cool. Run this race marked out for us. What is the race that is marked out for us? If we look at that race, you could easily say like, oh, it's just like me to the end of my life, right? I just want to take a run and The race marked out for me is that I'm going to turn here, I'm going to take this cul-de-sac, go back around, and all of a sudden I'll be at the end of my life, and hopefully I walked with Jesus the whole time. Hopefully I brought him honor and glory, right? But in too many cases, we think of just the end of the race and not the means to get there. All too often in my own life, I'm looking at all of these Different situations And I'm just like Oh yeah But I just gotta get through that So I can get to the next thing I just gotta get through The hard days So that I can be onto the good days Right I don't wanna be Pulled back By these things But I also just wanna I just wanna keep going You know I just wanna Live for the next day In a way Right But what if we looked at Each day as like The day that Jesus Intended for us to have The day that God Intended for us to have What if instead of saying like, I'm just having a really bad day, this is a really hard season, this is just some tough stuff, and I just want to wait for it to get done, and then I'll be back in and I'll be participating again. Then I'll be back in and I'll be going to church, I'll read my Bible, I'll pray. After that, that stuff has gone through, right? In your head knowledge, I would say that you already know that, right? You already know that the right thing would be to follow Jesus all the way through it. The right thing would be to understand that Jesus is right with you along every mark of that race. But it's really easy to let your circumstances define your reality instead of letting God define your reality. All the time, we just let God totally, you know, he he sets up our life and we totally believe it. But then we don't, it's just it. Like, like, I totally know that God intended for me to be speaking to you tonight. But did he intend for the 10 minutes before that? Or the conversation I had an hour before that? Or the challenges that I'll face tomorrow? And can we run those races with perseverance just as much as the race of our life in longevity? We're working, we're back, Okay. So throw off what's holding you back and the sin. Jesus is where your focus should be. And one final point on that, that I thought of this week. As I was reading through this passage and just meditating on it, I went, okay, cool. So Jesus is our example, right? He's our example of perseverance. What did Jesus have in mind when he was running his race? What do you think? Give me an answer. What did Jesus have in mind? Huh? Huh? Jesus had you in mind when he was running his race. So in the same way to have him in mind. It's not to just give you all the the warm fuzzies of like, oh, Jesus is thinking about me. No, it's to think to the extent of the cross To the extent of of the Garden of Gethsemane right before the cross where Jesus experienced something that very few humans on earth will ever experience where his body and his mind and his spirit were in such agony that his skin began to dissolve and he sweat blood because he didn't want to go through with what was on the other side of the plan that he knew he had to accomplish if he was ever to have a relationship with you. That's wild to me. And if that doesn't captivate your mind and imagination to think that a man 2,000 years ago, who you will likely, maybe you will, but likely never actually see in the physical until you're no longer alive, had you in mind. It's mind-bending to an extent, right? Right? But he really did. He didn't just have humanity as a whole in mind. He didn't just have me and um, Jessica and Allison and Avery and Chris and, and uh, Chris, I looked right behind you and I saw Jason and I thought I was going to say Justin and Justin in mind. Jason and Justin, don't worry. He didn't just have you guys in mind. But he had each of you in the front row in mind. He had each of you in the back row in mind. To the extent that he knew exactly what he had to do. He had the race marked out for him in hard things. He had the race marked out for him in, okay, first step, I get taken by a bunch of soldiers and probably beat up all the way there. Okay, I know I can get through that race. I can get through that race. I'll lean into God. I can get through that race. Next step of the race, right? If you think of him in the legs. Next leg of the race. Okay, I'm going to get spit on and accused of things I didn't do, but I'm going to be humble and I'm not going to speak my mind. He gets through it. Leans on God. Leans on God. Leans on God. Next step of the race. I'm going to go in front of a bunch of people who just worshiped me and just said, Hosanna, the King of Kings, is coming into Jerusalem a week before and be accused of all these things and I'm not going to speak my mind. I'm just going to be humble and I'm just going to sit still and I'm just going to listen to what God has already told me to do and I'm going to walk this out because this is the race that was intended for me. And he goes to the next step and he says, yes, I can endure the whipping. Yeah, okay, one. Two. They're probably a lot louder. Three. Louder still, maybe. Think of a horse whip, right? And Jesus is counting them off in his head thinking, okay, 29 more, 19 more, 10 more. Okay, I can do it. We're almost done. Next time you're at the gym or you're running a mile and you feel pain in your body from your muscles, like giving everything they have. Be reminded of your Savior who felt his muscles torn from each other because he thought of you. But he wasn't done yet. He got through that part of the race and he humbly walked into the next part. And they put a cross on his back and he started walking that race as he carried the cross past people who he knew Maybe he didn't know who knew of him. He kept going, going. Finally, he got the hill, got to the hill, right? Where he was gonna be crucified. And the next part of the race was the last part of the race. He got to the finish line. And when nails pounded through his hands and through his feet, he was hung up on the cross Naked for the extra bit of humiliation because they liked to put that touch on it. And he said, it is finished. The race has been run. So why, and not to make light of your problems at all, right? But why when we have a bad day? Do we immediately go, I just need to get through this so that I can get to the next thing that's going to be good or better? Why wouldn't we come up against something that we should be running right through? Encourage and humility like Jesus did. Do we immediately consider it just a weight on our back that we're going to keep carrying with us? Jesus was an outstanding example of how to run a race, not just in his crucifixion, but throughout his entire life. And I think that we take that for granted all too often. But the third point that I want to make is that what he started in you, he will complete. So if we think about this in the context of revival, and maybe you're kind of like, kind of jumping all over here, and I am to an extent, so I apologize for that, but stick with me. If you want to run a race like Jesus did, then you want to hang on to this idea that he's going to complete in you what he already started. Because it's really easy in those tough moments and in those moments where all of a sudden everything starts going wrong, your friends start betraying you, people stab you in the back. We have to work through those offenses that we talked about last week it is really, really easy to just kind of check out. But I'm asking you to not check out. I'm asking you guys to really, really focus in and not check out in those seasons or in those moments. I'm asking you to push in a little bit harder when stuff gets difficult. Not because, not because Cole said to, not not even because it's like the right thing to do, but because I want to see you succeed in this race and the race that ends at 12th grade. When you graduate high school, you're no longer a student. You can totally come back to youth if you want to, be a leader or hang out with us on a Wednesday night. We figure that out if you're loving Wednesday night, but you're not a student anymore. You can't go back to high school. You don't get to rerun that race. Right? So how will you allow yourself to step into the next season of your life? And will you trust that the work that God started in junior high at camp or in junior high at conference or in this room last year, two years ago, a month ago, that it will continue to change your life even through the really hard things. Because going back to this idea of revival that we want to see our city and our church and our schools change, that we want to see suicide rates dissolved and we want to see different things um, beginning to change in our community. Drugs go away, partying go away, all kinds of crap like that, right? If we're really going to see those things put out, then we have to be willing to run that race all the way through to the end. We can't just kind of be on when it's working well. We can't just be on when it feels like it. I don't want you to feel frustrated when we hit moments of challenge or frustration or things just aren't working well. So this is the last verse I have for you. It's Philippians 1 and 6, and it just... Philippians 1, verse 6, it says just exactly that. It's where we we pull that point from. Being confident in this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And the idea that you should take with you to small groups here. I don't have it up on the screen, so keep your mind sharp. If we're going to see revival in our hearts and minds, we need to only want Jesus, his presence, and people to experience him and his presence. We have to be willing to put the simplest of distractions aside as we focus on Jesus. Willing to put the simplest of distractions aside as we sit in small group. Willing to put the simplest of distractions aside as we walk through the halls at our school with a smile on our face because we have an opportunity to change someone's day. It's the smallest little action, the smallest little shift, the smallest change that takes you from being numb and inactive to active in living out your faith. It's as simple as you showing up with a smile, as simple as you leaning in, as simple as you saying a prayer before your test instead of just winging it. How will you throw off what's holding you back? How will you walk out this journey of revival in your own heart and in your mind so that you can experience Jesus on a greater level, so you can share Jesus on a greater level? Let's pray quick and then head this morning.